the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, this is a bit somber, but I think really necessary. Let me read you a quote from the book, The Teenage Brain by Dr. Francis Jensen. The doctor writes, and I quote, technology is another opportunity for novelty seeking. And because the brain of a teenager is so easy to stimulate, all it takes is the latest digital toy to tease it into distraction. The cascade of neuroprocesses that kicks off the brain's reward circuitry and the rush of the pleasure chemical dopamine can be triggered just as easily by the release of the latest iPhone as by alcohol, sex, or a fast car. In some ways, technology is a drug. Again, that's the book, The Teenage Brain by Dr. Francis Jensen. Joining us next is Captain Peter Ryan, U.S. Navy, retired. He included that quote in a piece that he wrote for the U.S. Navy because he sees a great concern with this potential addiction among armed services and teenagers of all ages. And as kind of a side treat, his daughter, Teresa, will join us as well to tell us how she completely cut herself off from smartphones. It's going to be fascinating. Stay with us. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. I am really pleased to be joined by Captain Peter Ryan and his daughter, Teresa. Uh, this is a really important topic, and I applaud you both for, you know, a lot of people talk about things, but they don't do anything about them. And both of you have proven exemplary in this area of, I guess, digital addiction, phone addiction. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's a better way to put it. And Peter, would you prefer that I call you Captain or Peter or what? Uh, Peter's or, fine. Pete, thank, I appreciate that. I, I thank you for your service. I, I am um, always respectful of that, so I want to make sure that we're good there. Um, Peter, you have written some articles, and I quoted one of them in the in the pre-show because you have a really genuine and deep concern about digital addiction, phone addiction, internet addiction, social media addiction among today's youth. And I'm wondering what triggered your awareness of this and your desire to do something about it? Well, uh, thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for having us. Um, 
I first, uh, I have four children, uh, happily married, uh, for 29 years. Uh, when, uh, my oldest son entered high school, he got on, on the computer and started a computer based project. And previously he had been a, a 4.2 student, uh, outstanding son and sibling. And as time went on, he spent more and more time on the internet and things started to go off the rails. And today uh, we're still faced with challenges. And as I began to connect the dots and look at some things, I began to believe his use of the internet and how he used it was central to what the challenge was. I, uh, I read an article, a really good one in the Atlantic called Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation? Uh, I think that's it, from uh, Dr. Jean Twang. And I think it's a 2017 article, but in there, she's a generational psychologist and she studies the impact on generations and trends. And she began to see really rapid changes that seem to be incredibly highly correlated to the growth in screen-based technology. And when I say screen-based technology, I'm not just talking smartphones. I'm talking streaming media. I'm talking high-end video games like Fortnite or Xbox. And I'm also talking, unfortunately, about pornography as well, which YouTube and streaming media facilitated. And those, those uh, products all came uh, into their own around the 2004, 5, 6 time period. Uh, and as I began to dig deeper and deeper into my son's issues, I began to, I pulled my own data from the CDC regarding youth suicide. Right around 2008, uh, the 15 to 34-year-old age bracket began to show increased suicides after having been flat for a decade. And then I began to look at other trends, and, and I also tied that back to Dr. Twang's work that she indicated about increased depression, uh, America's fertility rate, for instance, started going down in 2008. And as time went on, uh, as a naval officer, I became, became concerned that these devices impact sleep very fundamentally. And mm -hmm. we've had some serious issues in the U.S. Navy with the McCain and Fitzgerald collisions, for instance. And the post-incident reports suggested that sleep was a contributory factor. Well, having been mm -hmm. a, a Navy sailor for 28 years, sailors have always been tired. It's hard work. The watches are long. Your, your sleep cycles are continually disrupted because you have to be up in the middle of the night to keep the ship safe. So what was different now? Well, what's different now are these screen-based technologies that sailors are consuming. So as a result, I, I did write that article in the United States Navy Journal Proceedings uh, where I was trying to bring to leadership the, what I view the impact of screen-based technology on military readiness. And I continue to try to advance that issue in the Pentagon even to this day. And uh, it's, it's getting some attention, but not nearly as much as I think it should because it's very fundamental to a person's very well-being. Right. Um, so that's, and after I wrote that article, my priest, <clears throat> I'm Roman Catholic, and one, I, I shared the article with him just to say, hey, uh, this is what I wrote. One Sunday, I'm sitting in the pulpit with my family, and he starts quoting excerpts during his homily. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm like, wait, I know what that is. And, he <laughs> said, and after Mass, he said, yeah. And he said, I'd like you to start talking to parents about this. So we just started having some meetings and things where we can, we, uh, we went to various parishes and started talking. And then uh, ultimately, my daughter uh, 
gave up her smartphone and she has joined me uh, several times, including even last night. She, she dialed in remotely to a local parish here in Northern Virginia. And uh, so as I began to look at it in total, that was all pre-COVID. After oh, COVID, you, go ahead. Yeah. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. COVID on top of that, where we were all stuck with basically very little human interaction Lots of downtime and opportunities to do nothing but stream or play Fortnite or do whatever. Teresa, let me let me get you into this conversation. Uh, first of all, I can't imagine it was easy. Like if someone asked me to give up my smartphone, I would probably say, "Yeah, clutch you know, I'm, I'm my cold dead hands." But w- what made it easier for I? I shouldn't say easy. I can't assume that. What was it like for you to do that and, and what motivated that? Yeah, that's that's a wonderful question. Um, so for years, as you might imagine, I'd been hearing my dad talk about like, you know, the dangers of a smartphone. He has a lot of statistics on how it can decrease grades, your school performance and your mental health and so on and so forth. It felt like almost every day there was like a new study he was showing me. But it really didn't change too terribly much until it was it was motivated by faith, I want to say. Um, and yeah, I was just I was just praying about it, and I realized that it, it was really taking up a lot of my mental space, as it were. Mm. And it was just it, it kept my mind so busy all the time. It was really hard to focus at mass or in prayer or anything. Um, and my brother kind of just suggested it as a joke. He was like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have smartphones? I was like, wow, this is literally what I've been like praying about. And yeah, the rest is history. And I've had a this light phone and a, I've had a dumb phone for almost like three years now. Um, and ha- next and Sunday, ha- actually. What's the most significant change in your life since you've given up the smartphone for the dumb phone, as you call it? Yeah, um, I would say just just the little extra minutes here or there throughout the day that I used to just spend on Instagram and stuff. Like if I arrived early to say soccer practice or a class, I would spend like a couple minutes on my phone, 10, 15. And instead, I was able to start replacing that with like reading a book or talking to a friend or calling a friend and saying, hey, what's up? I haven't heard from you in a long time. And it's been really good just for like, I don't know, being peaceful and even just like being able to take those extra minutes and do something worthwhile instead of just wasting my time. 
been really Peter, good. it's a rare thing your daughter's done. You know that. Uh, I imagine she's the only one of your kids that's done that, yeah? Well, I actually, uh, her brother is in seminary right now, and he, too, uh, picked up a product called a light phone, and he, okay. he dropped the smartphone as well. Well, I, I would think in seminary you'd almost have to. Um, clearly, you're a family of deep faith, and that's played a large role, and I do want to get into that. You know, the world is so crazy right now that even a food shortage could be coming to the United States. And that's according to economic experts who wrote that recently. That is why survival food. Yeah, think about that. Survival food is more important than ever. And you can create your own stockpile of the best-selling Four Patriots survival food kits. It's not ordinary food. We're talking good for 25 years, super survival food. Hand-packed right in a family-owned facility in the USA, giving jobs to over 200 Americans. We love that. The kits are compact, sturdy, water-resistant, and stack easily. They have different breakfasts, delicious lunches, and dinners. You can make these meals in less than 20 minutes. Just add boiling water, simmer, and serve. And we hope that you're able to boil your water on your gas stove. Right now, you can go to fourpatriots.com. Use the code Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to get 10% off your first purchase of anything in the store, including this three-month survival kit. You'll get their famous year-long guarantee after you order, plus free shipping on orders over 97 bucks. They're called Four Patriots because a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to fourpatriots.com. That's the number four, patriots.com, and use code Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, to get 10% off. That's fourpatriots.com, code Michelle. Start building your own stockpile today. How confident were you, Peter, that when Teresa said, I'm giving up the smartphone, that she could actually do it? Well, I... uh She's pretty strong-willed, I have to say. So I, I knew that she had that going for her. But I, I do know that there's an awful lot of pressure from uh, friends. And miss, and also, too, uh, she can probably speak much more eloquently on this. You do lose out on some level of connectivity. Mm-hmm. And the group and things, for instance, on our soccer team, they're connected one way. And she was the odd man out, despite being the captain of the soccer team. Uh, during her high school years. So uh, it did create some challenges, but she's pretty resilient. Uh, I shouldn't say resilient, but she's very, when she, when she puts her mind to something, she's uh, she's pretty willful, and I, I can trust she's going to give it her very best shot. Well, Teresa, that, that's interesting. I'm sure any parent that's listening right now, and any any kid that plays organized sports, my daughter plays both basketball and soccer, and they each have their own you know, text string or whatever apps that they use to keep their schedules straight. So how did your friends respond? Your your dad mentioned kind of that peer pressure to be involved. And here you are a leader in high school of your soccer team. How, how did that all work? Yeah. um, So it kind of worked differently depending on like the friends in mind. Right. So back, I went to Langley high school, which is just a secular public school in Northern Virginia And a lot of people there just kind of laughed and they were like, I don't understand this, but like, whatever. Um, But the friends that knew me a little bit better, like respected it. And for the most part, I didn't really miss out on too much because even though they had those group chats that I, before I had a light phone, I had just this really old slide phone that 
couldn't really be in any group chats at all. This can do like smaller ones. Okay. Um, yeah. So my, my friends knew that and they would text me and I kind of realized like if I felt like I'd be missing out on anything because my friends wouldn't text me when they were going out to do something like they weren't really my real friends. Right. And my solid friends that I still have and speak to, they would always make sure to text me and let me know that they were doing something. Oh so, my goodness. Um, I was Peter, just, you must be so them. proud of this kid. I mean, it, these are, these are, she's experiencing and displaying a level of wisdom beyond her years, which is really impressive to see. Um, and it's while you're still struggling with, with certain parts of the family relationships, and I don't know how much you're willing to elaborate on that. You had talked about your oldest son and how things started going off the rails. Um, what, what, where are you all now as a family? And you've got one son in seminary, you've got Teresa here, but you said you have four kids. Yes. Uh, my, uh, so my oldest, he's, we're still dealing with some, uh, challenges in that regard. And, uh, we just, we continue to pray every day for, for healing and improvement in that regard. It's, um, some of these issues are extremely challenging and the impact you know, the, this is an experiment effects, effectively. These devices have only been around since, like I said, 2004, 2005. And the excess consumption is like a drug in many yeah. ways. Yeah. And doctors are struggling. It's not in the DSM-5, which is the current mental health, uh, you know, guideline. And uh, one day it will be. But uh, in, in terms of my son, it, it's – I. I just keep on praying and we hope for healing. Uh, I have a, another son who's an electrical engineering student. He's going to graduate this year from the University of Michigan. And uh, so. Well, uh, you've really got a bunch of underachievers there, don't you? <laughs> this is an impressive family. I'm nominating you for Father of the Year, and I'm sure that uh, uh, this is amazing. Well, you know, there's another part, there are two more parts of this I want to get to. Because one of the things that you mentioned in your writing and, and when we started our email conversations through a friend is how concerned you are as a patriot about China's role in all of this. TikTok is, is one thing in particular, which, I, you know, it gives me the chills and, and, and the way that they can manipulate thought in America, which is disturbing. It should be disturbing to everyone, but also the faith element of this, which I'm always very curious about because I, I see so many amazing people deeply rooted in their faith. And I, I genuinely find myself curious about it. So we'll get into both of those topics after this quick break. The ups and downs of the stock market can drive you crazy. Going to the gas station can make you nauseous. Grocery shopping can make you realize, wow, I'm probably going to lose some weight this month because I can't afford everything that I normally eat. All of this stuff feels really uncomfortable and a lot similar to 2008. A lot similar. Can I say that? I just did. It feels like 2008, which was the last time we really went through a financial turmoil in this country. And I think it's felt this way for a couple of years now. 
So why do I bring this up? Because gold and silver and investing in precious metals can be a great long-term play while we're sitting here watching a dollar bounce all over the place. So gold and silver are hedge against inflation and protect a weakening dollar. And that's why I recommend Legacy Precious Metals, the only company I use when I invest in gold and silver. And why is that? Because they will educate you and tell you how and why it's so easy to do this. And everyone's situation is different. And that's why it's really important that you talk to them. But back in 2008, which I referenced before, those who invested in gold and silver saw huge gains and others, well, they lost their retirements. So get going, make the call. Here's the phone number for Legacy Precious Metals where you can speak to an IRA expert. It's 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903, or you can download and or you can download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, back with Peter and Teresa. Peter, um, the concern that you have as a person who served uh, as a patriot, um, and I am too, and, and for some reason that's sort of turned into a almost something that people are embarrassed about, which breaks my heart, but here we are. The, the, the angle on this, which you have mentioned in the past, how much of the technology is created by and really manipulated by China, which is not a friend of ours. How do you see all of that playing into what we're experiencing here in America? Well, I think it's a really great question, Michelle. I, uh, I, as you uh, are aware, I was originally concerned just with U.S.-based companies such as Microsoft and Facebook, Instagram, and the like. But recently, um, last year, I was listening to a podcast from Tristan Harris, who made the, so the movie The Social Dilemma, mm -hmm. which I highly recommend for all parents to watch. And on the podcast, he shared uh, about TikTok. And TikTok presents – what really struck me were several things. Number one, TikTok presents differently in China than yes. it does in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. in, in China – the algorithms support positive messaging, you know, uh, and things such as good eating, academic performance, things that will promote so social good. In our country, TikTok and the algorithms and the rest of the world, for that matter, the algorithms are all structured in a way to promote the most bizarre behaviors, these various uh, challenges that they do that cause destruction in public schools, all, all kinds of sloth and strange behavior. So when you sit here and think about it, this, this is psychological warfare against our kids because it has an impact on them. Not only is it addictive, but it's leading to all kinds of strange and abnormal behaviors which are ultimately unhealthy and they're unhealthy for the national good because yeah. it means these kids are on their devices longer they're they're pursuing things that are unhealthy and they're not going to be as able to be productive citizens down the road if this goes on for much longer in terms of an addiction setting in and then uh, the, the last item that he brought to the attention of that podcast which i thought was really interesting was that uh, the the number one preferred profession in China from a young person's perspective is astronaut. And in our country, it's influencer. Yeah. So you tell me yeah. who's going to be focused on math and getting their sleep and eating right. Right. 
I I don't think there's any question. And I really hope that you are productive at the Pentagon. And uh, far be it for me to think there's anything I can do to help. But if there's anything I can do to help, I mean, (laughs) having you on this podcast is part of that for me, is letting more people understand what is happening and how really deep this runs. Um, Teresa, you spoke a lot about your faith and your praying about all of this and, and the, the role of, of technology in your life and your decisions about getting rid of a certain phone and so forth. It's, it's, you are a rare gem in that you are proud of your faith. You are deeply rooted in it. How did that take root in you? Oh yeah. Um, so very gradually (laughs) I'd say, um, but it really began with prayer and through that, I mean, Christ, through his grace, began letting me see what areas of my life really had become an idol, which definitely included my phone, and I became aware of that. And, like, looking back on it now, it seems so obvious to me. And, like, even in terms of faith, while, like, phones can be really, like, detrimental to the faith life, to be able to focus, right? Because I would sit down to pray, and my head would be so busy, with like posts from Instagram, like snippets of popular songs, people put to videos, which is fairly popular right now, Snapchats, whatever I did, even internet surfing. It would, it would take almost like a whole hour if I had an hour to quiet my mind sometimes. Um, but I feel like there's also a really good opportunity for like fasting to come from this, right? Because I, I see having like a light phone or even just like, say, getting rid of social media as a sort of technology fast. Yeah. And in that way, like it, it's allowed me, I think, to slowly open myself up to like grace and become more docile to that by giving that up, you know, because, you know, there are some hindrances to my daily life in the 21st century, right? When I don't have a phone with an internet connection or a GPS, but in those like small daily struggles, when we unite that to the passion of Christ, however small they are, they still like make a difference. Right. And it like is, I think it's really allowed Christ to come and transform my heart um, little by little. It's so interesting to me, Peter, there aren't many people Teresa's age who are willing to talk about their spirituality, their faith, even if they have it. And there are, I think, fewer and fewer in this country who do have a, a who are, have a portion of their life that is based in religion or based in faith. And I, I'm so interested in how you raised your kids this way. I was raised Catholic and at a certain point, I got angry at the church and left it. So how did you do this? Well, I, I don't think I did it. <laughs> I think, uh, obviously, uh, a lot of praying and the influence of... Uh, how are you in- so faithful that, that your praying is going to matter? Like, I believe in prayer. But how? where did you find the... Again, this word faith just keeps coming up again and again. But the the belief that prayer works for you. Wow, that's a really, you know, faith in many ways is a mystery too, uh, Michelle. And I think the the resilience uh, that we've seen with the saints and 
the lives that they've lived, and, and some of them include great suffering. Uh, I was on a really easy trajectory. Everything was sunshine and roses until about 2013 or 14. And, and frankly, my experience with my oldest son has really, in, in some ways, while it obviously has been incredibly challenging, and there's been a lot of tears, it's also been an opportunity to grow in faith and perhaps our children just experiencing all that, uh, it's had, a, in, a, in a strange way, a positive impact on leaning on faith more deeply. Because at some point, you're not in control. We all think we're in control, <laughs> but we're not. Right. And uh, one day, we're going to be meeting our maker. And uh, the, the faith that I have is what I, I take forward with me every day. And I still work on it because it's not the best. I'll even tell my children that. I have to work on it and work on it every day. And how do you do that? Dad's being a little modest, oh, though. Is he? Is he, Teresa? <laughs> Why do you say that? Oh, because so you know, Dad spoke about how once we ran into some family issues, it was really e- able to deepen our faith. But even before then, they were like definitely setting the roots to be able to fall back on Christ when there was difficulty. Right? Like growing up, you know. We would always pray before meals as a family. Dad made sure to make sure we had like family dinners together at least like a couple times a night, even with all our busy schedules. You know, we would pray before we went to sleep. It was it was always central. You know, it was always stressed. And even though if it wasn't necessarily like spoken out loud, we saw the example of our parents very clearly. And, and it well, wasn't a lot, of, a lot of teenagers or kids would rebel, though. Why didn't you? That's that's a good question, actually. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Grace you God. <laughs> well, you you are you're an exemplary young woman. I mean, the fact that you um, whenever someone tells me they're a team captain uh, in, in a sport, I know I immediately can identify a certain characteristic from that person, a character trait that that is positive because that means you have the respect of your teammates and your coaches and that's not easy to come by in competitive sports. So I, I, I'm get, I'm getting a little read on you that way, but it is remarkable to me that, that <laughs> I just hope my kids are following my example. Cause I'm never quite sure, Teresa. <laughs> I hope my kids don't all follow my example, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be working. Okay. It really seems to be working. Okay. I, I realize that you do have a family issue and what family doesn't. But the fact that you're able to rally together and influence one another and stick together and you do it through this this connection of faith is really inspiring to me. And it, it again, I, I I'm not here to prophetize. I am not I don't have that in me. I just find and I, I repeat this a lot on my podcast here that through my years of covering the NFL and all of sports, I have met so many people who have been incredibly successful and and happy in their lives. I stress that happy part, like they're joyful and they all seem to have this consistent thread that they have a deep faith and it, it, it intrigues me and I found myself kind of a little bit envious and really curious. So I love having that discussion with people and I'm, I'm glad that you opened up Peter. I imagine you're going to continue on this, this, march that you're on to try to bring awareness to this topic how can people if they want to 
get to know what you're doing? Is there a way for them to tap into what you do? Well, I, I was, uh, I, I volunteer with a group called ScreenStrong.org, and people Screen can look that org. Okay. Yes, that uh, that's an organization that it's a nonprofit, and they try to bring awareness and provide solutions to parents because many of these parents are suffering. Uh, teachers are suffering with dealing with students that can't seem to focus as readily as they could five or six years ago, especially in this pre-COVID environment. So, yes, I am. My goal is to bring awareness nationally because I do think it's perhaps an existential threat to our nation. When you think about the number of children that are showing increased depression and suicidal ideation Mm -hmm. and this post-COVID environment, it's just it's really showing the impact of this screen-based lifestyle because it happens so rapidly. Before, we were just incrementally bringing these screens online. With COVID happening at, at massive increases, you know, levels of increase, we're, we're really seeing the chickens are coming home to roost. Mm-hmm. And if I could recommend one book, if there's any parents that are listening that are really dealing with a, a challenge with their younger children in particular, Reset Your Child's Brain by Dr. Victoria Dunkley is the go-to book that has a roadmap uh, for any parents that are struggling on what to do. And it's really, it's useful and it gives step-by-step instructions. So I highly recommend that. Great tip. Uh, I, I, I love this information. It's so valuable. And I think, I think we're all afraid to really own up to what's happening, to really identify and say, you know, I think we're in a little bit of denial. I got this under control. I got this under control. But do we really? And I I think it's a really legitimate question. And for those of us like me who have teenagers, um, I'm going to just hook them up with Teresa and she's going to set them straight for me. Well, <laughs> Teresa's I, like, no, no. <laughs> well, at her university, she goes to Franciscan University in Ohio. Mm-hmm. They've actually got a group uh, called Humans Engaged in Reality, where they all gave up their smartphones. And there's actually a scholarship at the university that's just been established for uh, new students that are matriculating in if they give up their smartphone for the uh, four years that they're attending. That's and amazing. I, yeah, Teresa and I are actually going to go speak to the student body here in the coming month. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, you're both inspiring and uh, really impressive. Teresa, I wish you all the best as you proceed on in life, which I, I can, I can uh, predict is going to be, go very well for you. And Peter, you should be a proud dad. And again, thank you I for am. your service. And thank you for this time today. I, I'd like to do it again because I think this topic is really important. Thank you so much, Michelle. We really thank appreciate you. your time. Likewise. This has been Sideline Sanity. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to be brave. Maybe just give up your smartphone for a half a day, a few hours. Start there. And remember to do good as well. Thanks, everyone. Always a good day when Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals can join us and answer some really different questions. And I thought of a few new ones for you, Charles, if that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and we hear so much about gold and silver and, and precious metals. So if I could just ask this broad question, what is the role of gold mm. in a portfolio? Great question. And when we look at that and the answer to that is, has a couple of different features to it. It depends on the individual, but its main purpose is the insurance policy 
for your finances. It is meant to be the foundation by which you do all other things, right? We know that gold and silver um, have an inverse relationship to the dollar. Um, it protects your purchasing power. So when we invest, that's what we're saying. We want to make sure that we have the ability to manage our money and have our money do what we need it to do for us. It's not the collection of dollars for dollar's sake, but for what it does for us, how we pay our bills, how we retire, how we feed our family, how we uh, go on and bless others and, and donate to causes we believe in. That's what money does for us. It's not the dollar itself. It's the thing it provides for us. And what gold does is make sure that that money continues to have purchasing value. Because there are times we find that, hey, my money doesn't have the same purchasing Absolutely. value it had last month. Absolutely. And this is a unique time. We're seeing it. <clears throat> I, this term called hyperinflation, which usually refers to, you know, inflation in the 18s and 20 percent. I consider this a time of hyperinflation because it's so much more than what we're normally used to, right? When we prepare and we budget and we say, this is the course of my life and this is how I'm going to do things, this is where I'm going to put my money, we use some basic numbers, 2 to 3% inflation. That's what the Fed says is good. But that's not even great. Over a lifetime, that's a lot of inflationary loss to your dollar. But when you have a period where it jumps to the points where we're at now, and we're in the eight and a half, nine is going to be into the double digits soon. In this shorter time frame, that's a hyperinflation situation to me because it throws everything off dynamically and so, so radically. You do, you do see us going into double digits, huh? Absolutely. Oh. The Fed even sees us going into double digits. You know, there was a, an interesting report where one of the, the Fed chairmen were saying, 2023, we're not going to talk about that. But in 2024, by summer, we may be able to start to drop the interest rates. When someone tells me they're in charge of something, but they say this new year that's coming, just forget about that completely. We're not even going to talk about that. That's a bad sign. <laughs> they don't want you to think about it. Exactly. They, don't, they want you to look past it and sort of ride it, write it off and... right now. Just don't even think yeah. about it. It's going to be bad. But hey, 2024, though, you know. And interestingly enough, right around the time of an election, they want to start talking about what they're going to do. Isn't that fascinating? That timing is just really interesting. Before I we finish up here, I, I'm always fascinated with how gold is priced. How, how do we get a price of gold? You know, the spot price of gold is really determined by the world market. The London Bullion Exchange, right? And this has been for hundreds of years now. Um, sets a price and the rest of the world revolves around that. Now, our currency will determine how much more than it is in the pounds and things like that. And there's a calculation for it. But that's one of the great things about gold and silver. Their value is recognized around the world. No matter what currency, what country you're in, it has value. Uh, I just recently come back from a trip where I was overseas not that long ago. And I bring gold with me everywhere I go. Um, not a lot, so don't try to catch me in the airport. Um, <laughs> but I have something that is valuable no matter where I'm at. I can go anywhere in any country and turn that into its currency in no time at all. You're talking about carrying around physical gold? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. Do you, do you, do you How walk much around is with safe dollars? to carry around if you're – well – no, you're right. Uh, so if and and that gold is going to have the same 
uh, value across the board, no matter, no matter where I go, slight right? Deviations, because, very slight deviations, yeah. but it's not very large. Okay. You know, usually less than yeah. 1% difference in the price. This is really interesting. I, I can't let you go before I ask you this because I'm picturing you now walking around with some <laughs> you know, gold coins in your pocket. I'm thinking, wow, that would feel risky. But when you go into another country, for instance, with some gold, how easy is it for you to go say, here, I want to exchange this for, or, you know, I'm assuming you're not going to a restaurant and slapping down a gold no. bullion or something. No. But you could overseas. In certain places of the world, they recognize that just like regular currency. Wow. But I wouldn't use but, gold. But it's minute. easy to ch exchange once you get to another country? Yeah. Just very easy. Most of the time you can do it at the airport. Same places where they change currency. A lot of them will change uh, metals too. And is physical bullion the, the, the best way to go? It is. It really is. When you're traveling or always in any investment in gold? Uh, you know, there's certain things you can do outside of just bullion that may make sense once you've laid a portfolio down, right? Um, diversity in metals is important too, but your basis for all investments should be your basic bullion, whether it's gold or silver. You want to have that foundation set in the base metal itself, giving you the most value that you can get. And obviously, every person's situation is unique. So why not just call and speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals, 866-528-1903, 866-528-1903. Or they can always download your free investor's guide, right? It's true. at LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Do you have any gold on you right now? I do. Give me half a second. I got to see this. I just want to see. I mean, I, it's it seems like almost like in the old days when you walk around with that, you know, Mr. Scrooge and his gold coins in his pocket. Not that you're. Can you sort of turn it around and show us that? That's now for our listeners. They're not going to be able to to just to see what we're seeing. But you've got a little container and they're just they're kind of the size of half dollars, right? Yeah, just about half dollar. And this or? is this is the American Gold Eagle. And this is a. Uh, $22,000 worth of metal. Yikes. Charles isn't messing around <laughs> and neither are we, but please go get your questions answered. This is such an important time to be thinking about your money, your long-term play in addition to every short-term concern that you have. Charles, always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. And you know what? 2023 is coming. Call now, find out <laughs> so you can make your decisions for, before then. Yes. And before the elections again, yes. and they can tell us what they're going to tell us then. They're, they're telling you to overlook 2023. That means you now's the time to inquire. Absolutely. Again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles Thorngren, always good to see you. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.